2: Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it book your trip at san sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Welcome in to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. It's time to flock up. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. As always, it is the official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans, a very frigid edition of the Pell's podcast although I don't know if I can uh, you know say the team is playing frigid it's been playing kind of hot here as of late as we'll talk a little bit about the road trip coming up on today's show Jim Ikenhofer's got all kinds of info for you Pell's players of the week player to watch of the week for the team plus it is Western Conference Wednesday so we will you know kind of look at a team and a player maybe perhaps that has to you know do some things that we have to kind of keep an eye on here in the Western Conference, which is jumbled up. It's all packed together. We're going to kind of get into all of that and more. Plus, a little teaser, a little preview of what we want to maybe do on Fridays coming up over the next couple of weeks. So, we'll get into all of that and more. Plus, by the way, as you know, it is game day as the Pels take on the Hornets. And then, on Friday, it's Kevin Durant. It's Bradley Beal. Steven Booker. Uh, but that's coming up here on Friday as well as another home game. So it's nice for the guys to at least be here the next couple of games here at home. So we'll touch on all that. So let's bring in New NewOrleansPelicans.com's Jim Eikenhofer, who's from New York. And you should be absolutely used to this. You should be in a tank top and shorts sipping some iced tea, kind of like the Kermit meme. Except that, it, I don't know, I guess the Kermit meme's warm tea. So never mind. I just blew that completely. But my point is it's you should okay. be excited about this. You
3: have, like, the door barely open when you let me in. <laughs> You know what though Gus the th- the problem is is that like even by New York standards today would be a cold day. So mm. I mean it's pretty windy and I think it was like 25. So even in New York I think we would be bundled up in this temperature. <laughs> so yeah, no. I I've been saying lately that uh if I wanted weather like this I would have stayed up north. So we need to change this. You. Luckily the forecast yeah. is headed in the right direction tomorrow so thank goodness.
1: Not many days. Here in New Orleans, Jim, that I can look at it as we record this here, just after 10 o'clock in the morning. It is still below freezing. It is 30 degrees. Feels like 22, which has warmed up because when I walked the Mini Schnauzer this morning and he's, you know, German, Brady's he's like, this feels great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 19.
3: I don't know how you do it, man. I don't know <laughs> how. I, I'm not walking around in this temperature. I did that. I remember having to as a kid having to stand at the bus stop for the school bus to come and they would not let you walk inside even if it was minus 5 degrees outside. So those days are over. I don't want any part of that anymore. I did my time, Gus, and now I'm in the south <laughs> and I'm enjoying time. life and and happy to have only this will be hopefully our like the only winter week that we get all year. So hopefully that's this will be the end of it.
1: All right, well, I tell you what, let's um let's let's do this because doing time is kind of what the Pells had to do on the road there. Ten days, five games. We sat here in the studio and looked at it as you I think you called it a season defining road trip. Mm-hmm. And I still think you may be onto something on there, and I think you were absolutely right to say that. So I'm I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts about what you thought about the five-game road trip because they did come back three and two, had a chance to go four and one. And I got some thoughts on it overall, but I, I want to hear yours, all right? You called it a season-defining road trip.
3: They go 3-2. and two. What did you think of that trip? Yeah, I mean, by far, it was so much more positive than negative. And if you want to look back, if if it is a season-defining road trip, to me, it kind of cemented them more in, the, in kind of the next tier or, or an upper tier of the West. For them to be able to go into Sacramento and win by 30-plus and then go into Golden State, win that game by 30-plus – beat the Mavericks shorthanded. There was a loss to the Nuggets in between there, but we all know the Nuggets are the defending champs and they're a very good team. Um, I thought it was just a great trip overall. Obviously, if Monday's game, if they're able to close that out, you're looking at really kind of an an amazing trip where you go four and one. But as it was to be three and two, I thought it was very good. And now you have this four-game home stand that's stretched out over nine or ten days where you're going to get some practice time. Um, so this is another opportunity to add some more distance between yourself and five hundred, as well as potentially making yourself even more cemented as a top six team in the West.
1: And as you mentioned, four straight, and you know, look, we talked about it as well at the beginning of this month because we're kind of at the midway point of the. Mo- uh, I see what I just did. Midway point of the season, which is going to be a little preview on Friday, what we're going to talk about. But it is, we are at the midway point of the season, so we're going to get into that here in a little bit as well. But this four game homestand. It's nice. I think it's kind of like what you need here before you you kind of go all back on the road a little bit later during Mardi Gras, and that's going to be another tough one and things in that nature. But I think that's the things that we kind of look at here, Jim. To me, I look at that five-game road trip, and I go, okay, let's um, – you know, that Kings when you had to get off to a really good start. And you did. You showed up, and you, you had a very good start in that first quarter. Golden State, a place that you hadn't really won. Both of those arenas we talked about it in the Friday podcast – Those places never boo their team. You left Sacramento and Golden State with the home crowd booing their team, which is an incredible feat there. You knew it was going to be tough when you went to Denver, and that's one of those things where it's something else I saw on this road trip because we saw it with Dallas on Monday, and we saw it with, I think, Denver on Friday. When When good teams come off of losses, we've seen the Pelicans do it, they tend to respond, and you have to be ready. You have to be ready to match it with energy. You have to be ready to also match it with your play on the court. The Utah Jazz, which I think, Jim, I don't know if – uh, are they going to be one of your Western Conference teams to watch because they, they're they all of a sudden inside the 10. somebody forgot mm-hmm. to tell them the tank again yep. like last year, and here we go. But mm-hmm. they spanked Denver. So you knew the very next game they were going to come out, and you saw Denver play like that on that Friday. I, I go to what Mike Malone – did in the first quarter, I think what a minute into the game he challenged a foul by Jonas and Jokic. Uh, I mean, um, uh, Jokic, mm-hmm. you don't who challenges in the first minute of a right. game. So th- he was mm-hmm. setting the tone though for his team mm-hmm. that this game mattered. And I think you kind of saw that with Denver as well after the Pels kind of maybe surprisingly beat them on Saturday. You saw Jason Kidd and that team play harder. They they were more physical. They 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 had to match it. So I think when I look at it though. I think they're capable of beating those teams, right? So mm-hmm. I'm leaving this season-defining road trip going, I, I I still feel about the same way as I do with this Pelicans team. If they can mature, grow up, figure out the late-game situations, it happens. Some nights, another team wants it more than you for whatever reasons, but that's that one game. But in a four-game series, Jim, I'm starting to feel a little bit better about this team because they're playing the top teams in the West – they're inside of five games of first place. Like, I'm looking at all these different things. If
3: that if that was that tough road trip,
1: and I saw that team do that, I'm feeling good here in January 17th.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of teams in the NBA, in especially the West, that if you gave them that five game schedule and you told them you're going to go three and two, I think they'd be very happy with that. Um, obviously, they were a couple possessions away from being four and one on the trip, so um, that would have been. You know, incredible to to be able to do that well but I agree I think my perspective if anything improved a bit I I had a lot of optimism and enthusiasm about the direction that the team was heading before the road trip started but I think I feel even better about that as well as their chances to um, I'm sure we're going to discuss this as, as the rest of the season goes on but just that race for being in the top six I mean they're in a lot better position now than if they obviously if they had gone one and four or had a, a a rough road trip. Um, when you, when you have a a five gamer like that against good teams, a lot of times you kind of just want to tread water, but they actually gained ground on a few teams in the West that they're competing with. Um, by the way too, I I think you made a good point about the way that other teams respond to losses and the way the Pelicans respond Mm -hmm. to me, the way the Mavericks, their body language in their the way that they acted during the game Monday afternoon, it, it reminded me of the Michael Jordan meme where he's he's looking at a, a laptop or, or, or and, he, and he says, I took that personal. They definitely seemed like they were upset by the way Saturday's game went where the Pelicans had four of their best players sidelined and New Orleans was still able to get that win. So there was definitely a clear indication to me that the Mavericks badly wanted to win the game Monday. And even despite that, I, I thought they were – they were physical against the Pelicans, more physical than they had been in the previous game. And yet, New Orleans was still in really good position midway through the fourth quarter to get that win, just weren't able to close it out. And, you know, it seems like other than the Clippers game, um, every loss the Pelicans have had lately has been close, and that, that's yeah. been frustrating. And again, and this is not to accentuate
1: the negatives or things of that nature, but it's just to point out some things of note right like Trey Murphy hasn't been the Trey Murphy we kind of know in -hmm. in terms of um knocking down those threes everywhere and and we've seen a couple of guys like Brandon Ingram I think he's in a shooting slump right now yeah Mm -hmm. I mean he's missing some shots and all that I know he's still doing other things the assists the rebounds and stuff like that but we've kind of seen that a little bit what I so those are the two things that I would say in two losses maybe those two players if they're just Normal, right? Like they have their normal game. Maybe the Pels win those games. So that's that's what I'm saying. That's a good thing because in those losses, I can look at it. That Dallas game, you didn't hit the threes. Trey Murphy couldn't hit anything. Mm -hmm. You know, Brandon Ingram struggled to make middies and jumpers and things that nature in Denver and also in Dallas. Those two guys you expect that aren't going to do that normally. And if they just play a normal game, not an exceptional game, just their normal game, Pels may win that. So, again, that's something good as well. The other thing that stood out in this five-game stretch, Jim, and I, and I, I kind of hinted at this earlier in the season. I dare say, and we said it Zion getting closer, closer, and closer to how he looked at the time last year before the season came to an end with an injury. He he visually looks a little, little more, a little chiseled, right? Yeah. At that, that free throw line, which we can talk about the free throws of this team yeah. but still, but he, you could see that as well. But more importantly, you can see it in the energy. You can see it in the play, right? Mm-hmm. In one of those games on the road, and I think it might have been that Dallas game as well, you kind of saw him um, pick up the pace there a little bit on one of those road games to secure the win. You saw him, you know, come in into the fourth quarter and kind of take over. Like, you're seeing him be quick. You're seeing him take on three defenders. And, Jim, the difference is now he's not losing the ball on the way up. He's not losing it on the dribble. Uh, but one of the one of the plays on Monday, which was beautiful to watch, and it you know kind of goes unnoticed because of the loss, but he did a between the legs dribble to start the drive in the paint and spun and kissed it off the glass in a second. That's a good Zion. That's a healthy Zion. That's I'm feeling good Zion. And the other thing, more importantly, too, Jim I saw emotion. Yeah, I, I so emotion like mm-hmm. and he talked about it afterwards in that game against Dallas that he loves this bleep and he's like he's cussing. You know, he's <laughs> I love that because that's what we've been wanting to see. Right. That's sure. that's what we want to see. And again, he said at the beginning of the season, I'm not where I need to be just yet. And that's what I said earlier the season. If he hits his quote unquote stride, if he's in the best shape of the season, if his game is growing and it's where he's happy and it's March, watch out. Right, and that's what I'm saying. We're mid-January, and I'm starting to see in games Zion be able to take over. I'm starting to see in games attitude. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see in games, you know, the defensive approach, blocking shots. That that's a Zion that feels good about everything that he's doing, and that's what I think to me stands out.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the you can see it kind of in his step. You know, you, you mentioned several of the aspects of of how he looks uh, defensively. He's been a lot more of a factor lately. I do think that you know, and he said this recently that he still isn't isn't totally there, a hundred percent with his rhythm. But I definitely think that we're starting to see that come back. Um, and obviously, you know, ultimately Monday was a loss. But you see that they can still compete in games when you know, Brent, like you said, Brandon Ingram didn't have a great shooting game. He had kind of an off off night or off afternoon. Um, and then for them to be able to get the win Saturday when they don't have as many guys on the court as are available, I mean these are there's just a lot of good signs going forward as far as the potential that they have, and and overall I think they showed that during the road trip.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, Jim, let's get into
0: obviously.
3: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
4: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined.
1: How, what what do, what do we know about the Hornets as they enter tonight's contest in terms of where they are this season? I know they had some injury issues with Ball as well, but he seems to be healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, this was a team that kind of looked like a year or two ago, right? They might be taking that next step to become a playoff team and start show. Look, you know, any game, any given night can do that. But give us a scouting report, I guess.
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think... They were a team that made the play-in tournament a couple years in a row, which is similar to the Pelicans, what the Pelicans have done the last two years. But, I mean, they've dropped off since then, and injuries have been, unfortunately for them, a huge factor. I know a lot of people watched the game between the Pelicans and the Hornets on December 15th, which was actually pretty close. The New Orleans won 112-107. to 107. Um, LaMelo Ball didn't play in that game. They were missing a couple other players, including Mark Williams, their starting center. Really, though, since that game in mid-December, the Pelicans are 10-6, which is tied for the 7th-best record in the league. Charlotte is 1-14, which is the worst record in the NBA over that span. So they've really hit a, a stretch here where they've been struggling big time. Um, you mentioned LaMelo Ball with his injuries. He's only been back for the last two games, but he's averaged 24.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4 steals in these two games since he's been back from his recent injury. Um, they... It just doesn't seem like they can compete when he doesn't play. They're 3-17 this year in the 20 games that he hasn't played in. So clearly they need him to be on the floor. And even when he's played, he's um, they're 5-12 with him. So to me, one of the keys tonight against Charlotte is they have to – the Pelicans really defensively have to focus on LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and Miles Bridges. Those three guys in their last game against Miami, and this is not something that I – have seen in a long time in the nba so they lost to the heat they scored 87 points but they had three guys that scored 20 plus which you would think if you have three guys that score 20 or more you you're gonna get more than 87 points but they're um they just need more from the rest of their roster they're relying on a lot of guys who um, are unproven in the nba and haven't done a lot in their career so far so
1: Obviously, that, that sounds like a, a team effort that that the Hornets are going to sort of need there. How do you come back? Because obviously in the NBA, it's about matchups. So who guards
3: LaMelo? Yeah, I mean, I think just like with a lot of instances recently, I think it'll probably be Herb Jones that gets a lot of that responsibility. Um, CJ McCollum will be important as well because if Herb takes LaMelo Ball or takes Rozier, then Terry Rozier, I think um, CJ will be on one of the other guys. So those will be important. I think Brandon Ingram also is important against um, Miles Bridges, and uh, we'll see what happens with the rest of the rotation. But um, the game in Charlotte, another thing too, I think that's important for the Pelicans. One of the reasons why that game was probably closer than expected, or closer than the Pelicans really wanted it to be, was it was sixteen to eight in turnovers. The Pelicans had twice as many turnovers as Charlotte, so if the Pelicans can reduce their turnovers and maybe create a lot more than eight from Charlotte, I think maybe they'll have a chance to make this a game that doesn't come down to the end, the way the game last month did in North Carolina.
1: Let's see how that happens. Cause obviously I think, uh, getting, off to the you know the four-game homestand with the, with the win would be pretty big here as well. Plus, you look, lots of eyes uh, have been seeing the Pels or maybe paying a little bit more attention. Football season's come and gone when it comes to the Saints, and obviously a lot of attention's on that. College football, the Bulls, we've crowned a national championship. And look, we've been talking about it. We had Madeline Adams on for Fox 8 a couple weeks ago to, to talk about how big this 10-game package was with great television and gym. The numbers came out this week; they were magnificent. Yeah. I don't know if that was what was expected or not, but a yeah. seven rating. And I mean, I'm not going to get into, you know, what does it matter and everything. I can just say say this: the number compared to what they normally would sort of have, it's it's more than triple, it's more than quadrupled. So lots of eyes, at least, turned in. It stinks the way the game went in Denver here as well. Mm-hmm. But you got another one on Friday against Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. And, uh, and Bradley Beal coming up with the Suns. But how big is that, to be able to have a number like that?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's that was great. I mean, like you said, it, it was tough to start the schedule on the road against the defending NBA champions. So, yeah, they didn't win the game. It would have been nice to get a victory in the f- debut of Gray TV in Fox 8. But when they put the schedule together for Fox 8 and Gray TV, it definitely wasn't with the idea in mind of how do we get them how do we get the Pelicans to win the most games on the network? I mean, they're playing against some of the best teams in the NBA, which is great in terms of drawing viewers and getting people to tune in. Obviously, it was a tough way to start by playing on, on the road against the defending NBA champions. But it was it was a, definitely a good development to see the rating be as high as it was. And it it does definitely demonstrate to a degree that I wasn't even – expecting or aware of of mm-hmm. how much more of an audience you can get when you when you put it on a platform that is just available to that many more viewers
1: I think one of the things too that that you look at more than anything too um Jim is interest right I mean a lot of that's probably like, well let's see what this team is all about or hey this or the, this is what the pelicans are and things of that nature and look and, and i I do know uh, somebody very close that works at, you know, the, the radio station I, I do stuff with. I mean, it he doesn't have, you know, cable or go to the other one. So he, mm-hmm. he goes somewhere to watch games a lot of times. And the ability to be able to just, hey, in his couch, at his house, be able to watch that, it, it does help. Because he doesn't get to see a ton of it, right? I mean, he knows a lot of it from listening to my show and what I tell you about the Pelicans. But it's something else to see it, something else to feel it and experience. And I brought this up. We were talking about this specifically with Madeline and you. I grew up a Bulls fan, obviously Jordan, mm-hmm. but because it was on WGN, every single game, yeah, I could watch the Chicago Bulls play. Mm-hmm. So, in and, and and as far as how that attachment was, sure, you see them play and all that, but I never missed. I never missed that seven oh two the player intros. I, I would crank yeah. the TV up. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. from the I, I waited, you know, doo 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 doo. I couldn't wait. I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it. I've never been to Chicago Stadium. I've never been to United Center. Mm-hmm. But I sure as heck watched it and I felt like it, right? That you see him do a dunk, you'd see them get a three, Rodman would cause a flagrant, the crowds going nuts, like that showed me what NBA basketball was sort of like the kiss at midcourt between Isaiah Thomas and Magic I've yep. never been to any of those arenas the mm-hmm. palace or all but you can get a connection from watching and sure. seeing that environment the player
3: reactions what that place is sort of like you know i think everyone is trying to wrap their arms around the the new media environment right now tv the tv landscape is changing so much in terms of cable I feel like sometimes I forget how many people are like what you described in terms of the the guy that you know who doesn't necessarily have cable TV. I forget sometimes, you know how many people have gone to just streaming and yeah. I mean a lot of my friends I talk to and I I say to them like people that live in other parts of the country like hey the Pelicans are going to be on TNT or or NBA TV tonight and they're like, "Well, I don't have cable TV anymore." You just forget how many yeah. people that applies to now. So, I mean, it's something that everyone is trying to to figure out, like, what is the best way to go about this and what's the best way to determine how do we reach the most people? And it, it is kind of funny in a way that in some ways it's almost like an old it's a return to old school where, you know, back in the 80s, a lot of people before cable blew up, people just had Fox and CBS yeah, and NBC and ABC and um, a few other channels. Jim, I'm old enough to remember the cable box was a little knob, and it had like 26 numbers
1: <laughs> on it. You just turn the little number to it, and you would be like that. But that's the point, right? And yeah. look, it's not just the Pels. It's not just us. You've seen teams, the Suns, I think Sacramento's another Atlanta one, a couple has a f- yeah. a North of Atlanta similar packages. A lot of different yeah. teams are trying to figure out how to do that as well. I'm glad you brought up Atlanta, because that's part of great television as yes. well. They were doing mm-hmm. that. So it's other teams that are trying to figure out, because here, here's the main thing. It's good for everybody. It's good for business. It's good for the growth of the game. The mm-hmm. NBA wants it as well. You have got to get your product in front of eyes of different, you know, places. And, look, I, I, I you almost saw kind of almost a counter in the backlash. you like, you know, when we talk about the NFL, when this weekend one of the playoff games was on, you know, a peacock, streaming service. Right. right mm-hmm. Peacock. And, you know, people were like, oh, yeah. But what did they do? They— Put it half price for a year and got you to watch it and do mm-hmm. it. You know, and I had to do it because my kid loves trolls and trolls are on there. So now I'm gonna I'm <laughs> gonna get to hear every single trolls movie, every single <laughs> night. But the point is, I you know, a year and a half ago when they went to Amazon and, and you look at it, it's like, how, how is that gonna happen and you do it? Mm-hmm. And once you do it and you watch it, it's it, you know, like at that moment, you're like, What? How? Mm-hmm. No. And and then it, it becomes very normal you know right. and at the end of the day the leagues want to make money, players want to make more money so the TV packages are going to get more and how do you increase that? Mm-hmm. and by increasing that is by increasing ways to view your product and the NBA has been a very good league about listening to its players trying to grow the game at the same time being innovative and trying to mm-hmm. do different things, right mm-hmm. So I am very curious to see moving forward how they're going to, up that on that next TV deal.
3: Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I feel like from a business standpoint and from a money-making standpoint and from any marketing, people always want tangible ways that they can measure. Okay. We did this and we got this amount of money or we got this amount of benefit from it. But to me, one of the things I really like about the gray TV and the Fox eight thing is that it's to me more of a long-term play. Like maybe you're not making more money on Friday night because you have more viewers in that game or this week or this month. But think about how many more people you're going to turn into Pelicans fans and what that will turn into Mm -hmm. as far as the fan base and people wanting to come to the games. So um, I think some of what you described – the, for example, the Peacock thing. To me, that strikes me as a very short-term thing in terms of, okay, we have a deal with them and we're getting money from them right now and we have this much more money as the NFL that we're going to be able to put in our pockets. And obviously that flows into the teams and the players and the coaches and everybody. But it's more of a immediate thing, whereas I like the idea of what can we do so that five years from now we're better off, 10 years we're better off. And to me, that is a lot of what the... Getting the games on Fox and getting the games on—I don't know how you describe it—regular TV, non-cable TV. Um, I—that's th- one of the—that's the thing I think that that I like the most, and I think will have kind of far-reaching benefits. And again, you can't really measure that. I, I don't know how to sit here and say like, okay, because this many more people watch the games, that means this many more people are going to attend games or right. pay for merchandise or whatever. But you just know that by having 10 games that such a wider audience is going to be able to see that that has to help the franchise in a lot of ways down the road.
1: No doubt, Jim, we'll see what happens here in the future. I wish I could, uh, you know, play with a little crystal ball or something like that. I just had that little magic eight ball. Do you think that really is true? Just shake it a certain way. Never been
3: a believer in that. Never been a believer. Maybe
1: we need one in here. You know, maybe we'll do the magic eight ball question of the week (laughs) about that because we always like to do different things. So let's start with... Pelicans player uh, to look out for this week.
3: Yeah, the player to watch last week was Herb Jones, and I think that was a good pick because in um, the Golden State game, Steph Curry struggled, had had a rough night. The game before that, De'Aaron Fox for Sacramento had one of his worst games of the season, so Herb did well defensively. This week's player to watch, and again, this week – kind of really already started on Monday in the game against Dallas, but for the Wednesday game against Charlotte and then the Friday game against Phoenix, my player to watch is Brandon Ingram. And part of that is because of the matchups with Miles Bridges and Kevin Durant, obviously two forwards that the Pelicans are going to have to be concerned about in these two home games that they have this week. But also just for sentimental reasons, I figured I better pick a North Carolina native because the Pelicans have many of them and then Mm -hmm. they're playing against the Charlotte Hornets tonight, so – I would think that a lot of friends and family and people who know Brandon Ingram will be tuned in back in the Tar Heel State tonight to watch that game. So Brandon Ingram is the player to watch over these next two games against the Phoenix Suns and the Charlotte Hornets. Um, in terms of the player to week for or player of the week for week 12, that was Jordan Hawkins. And I wasn't really surprised when I put him out for a fan vote that he ended up winning the poll. Um, he, he got 45% <laughs> of the votes. Jonas Valanciunas got yeah. 42% of the votes, so also credit to Jonas for the week that he had. But over those three games last week, which was a win at Golden State, a loss at Denver, and a win at Dallas, uh, Jordan Hawkins averaged 16 points a game. He was 16 for 28 on threes which is 50 or from the field, which is 57%. He was 10 for 16 on threes, which is 59%. And then obviously he had his career high scoring with 34 points Saturday at Dallas, so... Jordan Hawkins was the player of the week for Week 12, as voted by the fans, and uh, everyone just really happy to see him have that breakout game, which was so valuable for him to have his best game of the season in a in a night when the Pelicans were missing four of their best players, and still able to pick up, I think, one of the more important victories of the season against the Mavericks, and one that you know we down the road we might look back at and say, man, it's a really good thing that they got that one win of the two in Dallas.
1: Oh, still can't get over that last one. Monday. Two yeah. players. Two players. 40 points. Anyway, Minnesota, yeah. Oakley, uh, Oklahoma City, Denver, Clippers, Mavericks, Pelicans in six as we head into action tonight. That's the Western Conference top six. Sacramento, seven. The Suns are eight. They are a game and a half behind the Pelicans, to give you an idea. 22 and 18, playing a little bit better. I don't think surprisingly because Bradley Beal is, mm-hmm. is back, seven and three. In their last ten, so they're playing better. They're the Jazz nine and one in their last ten games. Did you know that? They're nine and
3: one. I knew they were really hot. And nine and one. They've won about five, six in a row as well. Right now they still have a win. Aren't they streak. supposed to be trading everybody? Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's everyone keeps trying to convince us of that they're nine and one. That's incredible. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. they're um
1: they're ninth, and then they're the Lakers, which before their last win against Oklahoma City, I don't know if you saw it, made me feel better on Monday. I told the graph that right before we we let him go say, so i something to make you feel better. Uh, since December 30th, the Detroit Pistons and Lakers had the same amount of wins. Two. <laughs> then they beat OKC. So they wow. now have three. It's incredible okay. that when you that think about a, it. That is a pretty crazy So stat. they're 10th. The Rockets yep. right there. Um, nine mm-hmm. games back along with the Lakers. So they're kind of right there. Mm-hmm. One game separates them. I know it's early, but Golden sure. State, Memphis, Portland, San Antonio, that's the rest of your standing. So what team to look at in the Western Conference?
3: Yeah, you know, you mentioned um, Sacramento, which is in seventh place right now. They were the team to watch in the Western Conference last week and I tell you uh, what got the Pelicans into the top six as we record this on Wednesday morning was the Kings were up 20 plus in the fourth quarter at Phoenix last night and still lost that game there was some unbelievable stat that teams with a 20 point lead in the fourth quarter were something like zero in a thousand in 400 over the last year plus something like that so And at one point, the Kings had a 99.9% chance Mm -hmm. of winning the game in the fourth quarter. Still ended up losing it. So Kings were the team to watch. They went one and three. They also had a game right before that at Milwaukee on Sunday that they blew where they missed a bunch of free throws at the end, and Damian Lillard made a 35-footer at the buzzer. So that actually was very beneficial the week that the Kings had for the Pelicans because they went 1-3. and three. They they did have a 25-point win at Charlotte, but they all, they also had losses, uh 19-point loss at Philly, mm-hmm. the 1-point loss in Milwaukee, the 2-point loss at Phoenix. So Pelicans moved ahead of them. Uh, the Kings are a half game behind the Pelicans, and it's also kind of more than a half game because the Pelicans have the tiebreaker on them with the 4-0 season series advantage with one more left. Um, this week's team to watch in the Western Conference is the Dallas Mavericks, who we've talked about a little bit already so far. But they have an interesting slate because tonight, Wednesday they're at the Lakers on ABC. Friday they're at Golden State and then Monday they have a home game against Boston. So Pelicans and Mavericks are both 24 and 17 going into this these games tonight. Mavericks do have the tiebreaker based on division record and unfortunately, I do think that it's going to be very difficult for the Pelicans to, surpass them in division record based on Mm -hmm. that the Mavs already have a better record than New Orleans right now. And they have a couple more games against the Spurs that are, you know, most likely they're going to win those games. So we're looking at a situation where it would be really nice for the Pelicans to not only get ahead of the Mavericks, but get a little bit of a cushion so that it doesn't come down to the very end of the season where you're saying like, okay, that tiebreaker is going to cost us as far as positioning in the standings um so Mavericks are the team to keep an eye on over the next seven days uh two games like I said two game road trip at Lakers at Golden State and then a a home game against Boston so pretty difficult schedule and we'll see how they do and we'll see if the Pelicans while the Mavericks have that slate the Pelicans are only have home games over the next seven days we'll see if when we come back here next Wednesday, if I can sit here and say, okay, New Orleans has a little bit of a lead now on Dallas as opposed to being tied with them today and technically behind them based on the tiebreaker.
1: Well, we'll see what takes place, obviously, because – yeah,
3: all these games matter, man. I know it sounds like it's early,
1: it's January, but Jim, the trade deadline's February 8th. There's mm-hmm. going to be some teams that make some moves. That's something to kind of keep an eye on here as well to, to see what takes place. And and also, now that we've turned the calendar into a new year, it, it is a more important time. So we need not, not help, but just additional reinforcements. What's going to be coming here on Fridays in the near future?
3: Yeah, we're looking forward to this. This is going to be kind of a new thing that we... We do. Um, basically, my plan is uh, and hopefully we'll we'll be able to stick to this. Maybe not exactly, but close to it. Every two weeks, we're going to have a Pelicans radio roundtable. We're going to get a couple of our friends from the radio crew that are, will join Gus and I in the studio or on Zoom or however we need to track them down um, between John DeSazer, Todd Graffinini and Aaron Summers. Um, And that's the first one will be Friday. So we'll be basically be sitting down with them. The theme of Friday's episode is going to be the halfway point, even though I think at that point, the team will have played uh, 42 games. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll kind of go through just our thoughts on the first half of the season and some of the the highlights and, and some of the things to look forward to and look back on from the first 40 plus games of the season. All right, sounds good. That's Jim offer Give a
1: follow over our next, Jim underscore Eichenhofer, of course, Pelicans.com. All of the things that get you ready for game day is five things to watch and amongst other things, plus a game recap always in there as well. So go check that out as the Pels take on Charlotte tonight. The sun's on Friday, and we'll give you the rest of the schedule coming up here in a little bit. Jazz mixed in there. We'll, we'll do all of that. Now, now, all of a sudden, that game, right, when we're looking at the month, you're like, okay, well, that might be a breather. No. <laughs> yeah.
3: Hot. Yeah, this homestand is – home is a lot more difficult, I think, than if you if you did look at that Utah game as like, oh, they're struggling. They started the season, I don't know, 6-18 and 18 or something like that. But, man, they're the one of the hottest teams in the league right now. So now you have Phoenix's big three, you have Utah, maybe the hottest team in the league, and mm-hmm. then the homestand closes with OKC, which yeah. we know that they've been playing at elite level as well. So, yeah, this homestand doesn't have a lot of uh, – breathers in it, and I think it is very important that you start off with a win against Charlotte.
1: You know what? Shame on me. I I knew that game was going to be seen big no matter what, especially with the graph, because the Jazz tend to have the Pels number Mm -hmm. for one way, shape, or form for whatever reason, so that was already going to be a tough one. Now that they've gone 9-1 and at least right now in this stretch, I mean I don't see them losing five in a row because I don't know if they even have five games in a row but so they're going to be one of the hotter teams, and as you mentioned, OKC is number two in the
3: West for a reason, so it's... um. There is no easy games this month, is there? Right, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting too with the Utah game. Somewhat you would have looked at me like I was totally insane if I had said this a couple weeks ago, but that game is important now for the Pelicans in terms of the season series. In terms of, you know, the Utah's only a few games behind the Pelicans. So if Utah keeps playing the way that they are, we're going to start looking at them in the standings as well as a team that we have to be (laughs) concerned about. So you're one and two against Utah. You need to win that game to even out the season series the way that you already did against Dallas and Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Two teams that you're finished with and finished two and two head-to-head against.
1: Two and a half games.
3: Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Pelicans are five games beyond the T-Wolves. The Jazz are seven and a half.
3: And the crazy thing about that is two and a half, and the Pelicans have been playing really well. Right. that just shows you how Utah has been playing. The fact that New Orleans has won the vast majority of their games over the last few weeks, and yet I think... Utah's probably cut two or three games off of the dif- difference between those two squads during that time. Look, we've said it. We, we, we don't just say it to say it.
1: The Western Conference is a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have to play well every single night or you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. I
3: mean, it, it just legitimately is. I mean, it and is. and I, I think, too, to that point, there's a lot of teams in the West that are kind of in the tier beneath the Pelicans right now in terms of um, Phoenix, Lakers, Warriors, teams that had super high expectations yeah. that are looking at Utah like, you, come on, guys. You guys really had to get in the mix now for playing and yeah. make it that much harder? No doubt. So, I mean, there's going to be – if if Utah keeps playing the way that they are, there are going to be a couple teams at the end of the season that say we had expectations that were maybe championship or close to it and mm-hmm. didn't even get in the play-in. So I, I kind of like – I hope this doesn't negatively affect the Pelicans anyway, but yeah. I kind of like the fact that Utah has come up the way that they have because it's make, making the race for the play-in – Seating and everything, even that much better. Just make
1: sure you don't say that on Friday in front of graph.
3: In terms of, in terms of, positivity that you're excited charts, that, yes, that <laughs> chat, talk, yeah, it's so nice. Is the that the one Jackson, of his teams that, that gets under his not, skin? Can,
1: well, again, okay. can't beat them. Can't yeah, beat them. Yeah. So, and you I know, Todd you. already, it's going to be like that. Right. But to your point, it is going to be interesting to look at because yeah. it, it I, you know what? I'm going to save it for Friday. I'm going to bring it up because I think it's the one aspect of today's NBA that I don't know if it was advertently or inadvertently or whatever it is, but I think the league's not going to do anything to change it. I know there's some some people that go, get the three-point shot further back. It's too relevant. So it has leveled the playing field. Totally. I look at those standings. I look at games. It's simple. Name me the team that shoots the most threes. I'm going to say 90% of the time win. Look at Sunday. Look at Monday's loss in Dallas. Mm-hmm. They shot more threes than the Pelicans in a tight game. Period, end of story. We can talk free throws. You're right. We can talk to somebody have a bad game. It, The Jazz. How are these teams that don't have superstars in it? They knock down threes. Period, end of story. Yeah. I mean, I just – so I, I'm interested. I want to ask the radio crew that too as well. Do they think that the three-point shot – because Todd used an analogy, and I bet she brings it up. He He said in baseball, the artificial surface leveled things hmm. because you don't have to be a great fielding team. Because the turf helps you. It's always going to be a true bounce. It's going to be easier to play defense than on a you know normal, natural surface where you may get a bad bounce. Some people cut the grass higher than the – there's different things. On artificial surface, it's always going to be the same. And he said he saw it, as he called baseball games with Tulane, it even the field. Hmm. You, so, it, it, you know, it's easier from that aspect of it. Plus, it makes yeah. teams faster. You see small ball more. You see a lot of different things. I think the three-point shot has completely changed the NBA to where it's more competitive. That could be a good thing, right? You don't have to go and do the the big star thing. You can, but we've seen that there's a, a negative reaction to that. Well, not negative reaction, but there's a negative ass- component to it where it takes time to mix. You got to hope that all works. And, you sure. know, again, how are you going to build your franchise is a little different. So I'm curious to see that because the Jazz are literally not doing that but there they are being competitive. So I'm going to ask them specifically why it is that because you have the Lakers and all these other teams that are trading teams every, you know, trade deadline to get in as many stars as possible. And here's a team that's not. So it's interesting.
3: No, you're right. And I think specific to the Pelicans too, I think you mentioned this in a recent show and I thought that was a really good point in terms of the advantage that the Pelicans now have for for several years we looked at it as a disadvantage that the Pelicans were overturning their roster year after year and there were so much change so many changes that a lot of times you would start off the season poorly because you're trying to figure things out it feels like the pelicans are on the opposite side of that now where other teams like the suns and some of these other squads that have made major changes it we're in january and they're still trying to figure things out so i agree i think that's definitely something that has affected the nba and has affected the season very directly this year Jim offer as always, I appreciate the time. We'll see you on Friday.
1: Thanks, Gus. Yep, when we come back, we will talk about that and have some fun. In the meantime, don't forget to like and follow the podcast. Let everybody else know about it here as well. We'd appreciate you to do so as well. I'm Gus Kattengill. That's Jim We'll see you on Friday on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast.
2: Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, or where you get your podcast. And be sure to give Jim and Gus a follow on X at Jim underscore I can offer and GCAT underscore 17. We'll see you
0: next time, right here on the New Orleans Pelicans Podcast.